Good afternoon, everyone. Going to be talking with an Olympian today. Not every day you get to talk to a world champion. Excited to speak with Emma Gullstrand, who's a undergraduate here at the University of Miami. Hey, Emma, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? Listen, thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm very excited to speak with you. And again, thanks for making the time. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Awesome. So listen, just, just while everyone's logging on, I'm going to do a brief introduction. <clears throat> As I said uh, earlier, we have the pleasure of speaking with Emma Gullstrand. Uh, she's an internationally recognized diving champion. Uh, she is from Sweden originally, and she is currently an undergraduate student at the University of Miami. Uh, she has competed in the World Aquatics Champions, uh, as well as the European Diving Championships. Uh, her biggest honor, of course, which is what we're going to be focusing on today, uh, is being selected to represent Sweden in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics this past summer. Uh, she competes in the 10-meter platform, the 1-meter springboard, 3-meter springboard, jump event, synchronized diving at 3 meters, and team events. So uh, here to motivate us and tell us what inspires her uh, and about her, her journey through the Olympics. So again, thank you so much, Emma, for joining us. It's really an honor to speak with you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Awesome. So we'll just start uh, with some background. Tell us a little bit about when did you first start diving and, and what got you into the sport originally? I uh, started diving when I was around eight years old. And I think the short story is that swimming was too boring for me. <laughs> um, so when you get to learn how to swim um, in Sweden, you also get to jump off um, the platform. And I thought it was so much more fun to jump off them than actually swimming back, back and forth. Um, so I stuck with that. My, my parents put me in um, diving and then I stuck with that. Fantastic. When did you, when did it transition from a fun hobby to being like, wow, I could be one of the best in the world? I mean, I think when you start diving, you always have like the goal in the back of your head, even when you're little, like a little kid. It's like, I want to go as far as I can. Um, and when I was like around 13, I got to represent uh Sweden uh, for the first time in uh, Nordic Nordic Championships, and I think after like that day, that dream actually became bigger, and I actually trying to shoot for that. <laughs> Great to hear, and tell us a little bit about when that clicked, right? When you realized that there was more than just a hobby. Tell us about your how hard you had to train. What were your daily regimens when you were 13, 14, 15 years old? Um, when I was around that age, I just started doing morning practices. So I could do two hours a day or I can do four hours a day. And then when I got older, I got morning practices every day because of school. Um, so I had four hours a day with um, strength sessions um, every other day. So I did a lot. Um, but everything increased with age. froze there you are i was gonna say what about what about uh nutrition which can be so difficult when you're a kid and all your friends are having you know mcdonald's or pizza did you have to did you have to tailor what you were eating and sacrifice anything or did it not make a difference uh not really because i the school the school um uh the lunch in school is like it's so good and we get it like every day um, and I got, I got food at home and I always brought some lunch boxes. If I had to stay late, if I had to wait for practice, 
I had smoothies and yogurt in my in my locker. Um, so I think the like the most um, challenging part was to just get um, food in you because you train so much and you just lost all um, all energies. So you just had to like fuel yourself, and I think that was um, the problem I had that I couldn't get enough nutrition in me. Did you have to uh, count calories? I know that. You know, Michael Phelps back in like 2010, it was like a big deal when he had to consume eight or nine or 10,000 calories a day because he was swimming all day. Did you, did you have to count calories? I never, I never counted calories. I just tried to, um, try to, because I feel kind of, when I don't eat enough, I feel the diff really like, and people around me can see it too. Like I get, I get cranky. I, I can't, I can't focus. Um, so I think, um, just eating enough um, and focus on that was enough for me. Now, you know, everyone is going to hear your story. And just like they say about anyone who reaches such a world-class level, like, oh, well, they were born that way or they were gifted. But but it's really about sacrifice, right, to get to that level. Tell us a little bit about some of the sacrifices you've made growing up and in school and training and the hours that you've made in order to get to where you are today? Well, I think all athletes can actually say that um, it's hard to do everything at the same time, like do good in school, um, do good at practice, um, have time with your friends, family and everything. And I think the sacrifice you get, like it's, um, you can't spend the time that you want with your friends and you have to sacrifice holidays, uh, birthdays, um, when you go away and compete. And I think I missed out a lot in the beginning of, uh, with friends and stuff. And because I was training that much, I didn't have so many friends in school. Uh, and not until I got to high school, I actually got to spend some time with friends and they un understood what I did and they were really supportive. Um, I do wish that I've, I've, um, all, everything that I missed that I could, well, go back and do again, but obviously I made the sac sacrifice to do my sport, which I don't regret because I love the sport too. And I think it's a choice you have to make and the people around you, um, understand that and they support you in that decision too. Did, did you ever at any point during that journey, did you ever consider quitting? Uh, Yeah. Um, I think especially during COVID um, was the time that I uh, wanted to quit the most. I think I wanted to quit every day during COVID because um, Sweden didn't lock down like all the other, the whole other world. We like kept going. Uh, but the thing was that I was the only one practicing at that time because they shut down the pool. Um, so I was the only one practicing for a while. And well, I, that wasn't fun for me. So, yeah, I wanted to quit multiple times. But I think the dream that you want to go somewhere is bigger than the actual decision to quit. That's a very important point. I just want to kind of emphasize that for all of our listeners. So, so you went through a tough period. You definitely questioned your decision and your goal. But the dream always stayed as your number one priority. And that's what got you through those tough times, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's such a great life lesson because, you know, obviously, no matter what, you end up doing whether it's an Olympic diver or business or law or, you know, any type of work or anything in life, you're going to go through tough situations. And that's very admirable how you stayed focused and, and, and how you got through that. Um, you know, how did you pick Miami? How did you pick the university? 
what were your options? Obviously, it's a great place, and we're obviously proud to have you here. But what what went through your mind, and how did you pick this place? Um, that's actually a funny story. Um, so my coach back home is from the States, and uh, he's been taking me around. I've been to Indiana. I've been to Texas. I've been looking around. I've never been to Miami before, um, but I knew a couple of people on the team. Never spoken to them. <laughs> But I knew who they were, and I knew the coaches, and I just had this feeling that I wanted i wanted to be part of a great team, and I wanted to be part of, like, a family. And it looked like they really had it here. So I sent an email to our head coach, Randy Abelman, and in a couple of weeks, he sent me an email back. It's like, we have a scholarship for you. Let's get this process going. And this was in the end of COVID, so I didn't even know that I um, was whole, like, issue if I was, was going to get here in time and everything. Um, but I made it, so I'm here. <laughs> wow. What, um, how was that transition coming from Sweden over to Miami? Um, well, obviously it's warmer here. <laughs> yeah. uh, humidity is not something that I was, um, never experienced before. Um, and all the people here is very welcoming. So it's, um, it was a great transition. I really love it. And it's, I think it's the, one of the best decisions I've done in my entire life. That's great to hear. How are your teammates and your coaches and everything? Oh, they're amazing. I could not ask for any better. <laughs> wow. Well, that's that's so wonderful to hear. Do you get to go back home often or, or does your family come over? Um, I've only been here for not even a year yet. So I'm going home for Christmas and then hopefully they get a chance to come over here and see what my life is. Super cool. Well, let's talk about kind of what the most important you know, um, goal so far that you've accomplished. What was it like when you were selected to compete in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics? How did you find out? And what was your, your initial reaction? Um, so it was kind of weird first, because first I had to qualify a spot for my country. And then I had to wait for the Swedish Olympic Committee to actually say that you're allowed to go. So it was um, a couple of weeks um, with like, just waiting because I knew knew I got the spot after a couple of weeks and then I had to wait more weeks to hear if they just selected me to go or not. So when I heard I got the spot, it was just waiting and just like, okay, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? And then you try to focus on the positive. So you kind of already set in your mind that you're going to go. And then when they tell you to that you're going to go, you're like, oh, okay, we're fine. Kind of thing. Oh, okay. So it's not like, it's not like winning like the Nobel prize where someone calls you and wow, you're going and it's a lifelong dream. It's just, they tell you and then it's kind of pending and then finalized. Yeah. yeah. So I got a phone call from our head coach back home and I was like, okay, I can relax <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, so tell us that feeling, you know, of accomplishment when again, you've trained all your life, you've made all these sacrifices that you just told us you went through, time periods where you wanted to quit, but you stayed focused and then you get selected to be in the Olympics. I mean, try to as best you can. What does that feel like that terms of accomplishment? Um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a really, it's a high, it's a very high. And then when you actually get to go, it's just like, you have so many expectations and you've been thinking about this your whole life and, um, to actually be able to go is, um, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Tell us how you prepared in the months leading up to it. You know, not only physically, but also mentally, right? Because again, there's, 
you know, the pressure builds as the event gets closer and closer and closer. How did you prepare mentally and physically for the Olympics? Um, so I chose to um, stay here in Miami and train here um, because this became my home and it was here that I kind of felt comfortable to be, be around people. Um, so I, I cho chose to stay here in Miami and train for Olympics here uh, when I had all the support. Um, and I think that was the best choice to actually stay here and prepare um, physically here. Um, mentally, it was just um, trying to think positive and not stress over a thing like this because I usually stress over big competitions and to go to the biggest one was this was stressful um but when you actually got to go and you've been thinking all these positive things most of them sticks but um it's not it's not that easy <laughs> now i was gonna say how did you get through school how did you do any school work how, how did you do anything outside of think about the olympics um so the olympics was in the summer so i was done with school over the summer um, when we went to World Cup to qualify for the competition, though, um, they were nice enough to have me do all my final exams over Zoom and like when I was in Tokyo on a different time. Um, so everything that like that worked out fine. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Got you. And then kind of moving up to the day of the competition. Tell us a little bit about that, because obviously 99.99% of the world have no idea what that feels like. The day that you have to wake up and you know that you are competing in the Olympics and everything you've worked for, this is kind of what it's all about. Tell us a little bit about what that day is like. Um, so I woke up and I was kind of nervous from the start, you know, and I was just like in my own bubble, just like focused. Um, we went to really early because it's going to be a lot of people on the same board. So you have three boards to choose from. And you try to get in early and get as much as you can done, but not to get too tired, get back, get eat something, and then get back in before competition starts. And then you walk around, you wait for your turn, and you walk around and you see your friends and you see all these people that you've been competing against since you were 14, 15 years old. And now you're standing here on the big stage and you keep like talking and you keep telling yourself and we keep talking about it. Um, that one dive, we only, the only thing we have to do is one dive and then we're an Olympian and wow. just have this conversation with uh, people that you're actually been competing against since you were a little kid. Uh, it's, it's just the feeling is unreal. And yeah. I want to go back to what you just said about how you kept telling yourself, it's just one dive. It's just one dive. Is that how you controlled your emotions and how you stayed in the zone, so to speak? I think, yeah. So I do that mostly at all competition is just one dive at a time. So you can't, you can only focus on the first one you have. And then when that one is done, you have to let it go and go to the next one. Um, because staying in the same one, you can't really do anything. So you have to take one dive at a time. And then when you, you know, I guess not just the Olympics, but, but like in any competition, what is your routine for kind of blocking out the noise, right? Because you've got camera people and media and all of your colleagues, and it's the biggest stage in the world. How do you block out all the distractions? 
do you i mean you know like like do you play music do you have a certain routine do you do you do you go alone do you talk to friends um i have i always have my headphones around i just try to drain out the noise with some good music um i try to go away from um where everything's happening just try to sit somewhere else um at the olympics though it was the first time i actually called back home um and talked to my friends and family um during the competition what, what i've never done before uh i just felt like i needed some extra support and yeah i got it <laughs> What um out of curiosity, what kind of music do you listen to before you compete? Uh it's it's very different. Um it's depending on how I feel because it, I can feel um if I'm like too eager to dive, I have to like take it down a notch. And if I need to like some pumping up things, I need to listen to other music. So it's it's, it's can it can differ a lot. <laughs> Got you. And what was what was what were your thoughts when you went up to do your Olympic dive, what was, what were you telling yourself? Just one dive at a time, right? Is that basically what you were telling yourself? Yeah. The first thought that I um, was thinking when I got on the board is it's very quiet. <laughs> it was <laughs> so quiet. Like usually it is quiet during a competition, but um, this was something, this was something else. It was so quiet that I could literally drop a needle from where I was standing and people could hear it in the, in the stands. Wow. Okay. Um, and then, you know, talking about your mental state, you know, most athletes say that the kind of peak performance is at least half mental rather than physical. Having been to the Olympics, do you agree that peak performance is mainly mental? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I think if you're not like a hundred percent there, it's um, obviously it can go good either way. Uh, but I think you have a better chance if you're if you're mentally there. And what would you, what kind of advice would you give to to people coming up who are competing, not necessarily just in diving, but in any sport, when they want to get mentally fit and mentally focused? Do you have any tips for them? Um, I think I am the wrong person to ask right now. <laughs> um. Because after the Olympics and everything, um, because it's such a such a high, and I came back and I kind of fell really hard. Um, so I'm, I'm I think I'm on my way up from that, um, but it's been taking time, and I think everything just takes time. And I think if you keep rushing it, um, it's not going to go good. So I think the most important um thing i have to say is just like relax and everything takes time and if you keep working on it um you're gonna get there now you were talking about the pressure and having worked all your life and kind of what it feels like to be under that microscope and we all saw that with 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 um simone biles when she was in the olympics and she just couldn't compete she said she couldn't focus and she was at risk of really hurting herself um discuss the pressure that you felt um, and how you dealt with it and how you're still dealing with it. Um, I don't think the pressure was that hard. I think you just like, when you, when you were there, like, of course you wanted to do your best and everything. Um, but it was also my first Olympics and it was during COVID. So everything was kind of, you know, there was no spectators and anything like that. So I think that worked out for the best. 
having my first Olympic experience because it was not as big as other Olympics have been. So I think that would uh, that worked out for the best. Um, and I think just afterwards, it's just it's 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 a lot of coming back from a high like that and i i know um i know most olympians have the struggle of coming back and it's it's it differs how severe and how hard you actually fall and how long it takes you to you to come back um but yeah i was there and i i heard when i heard that simone biles actually um were not going to compete i was like okay but then I, I, I realized how important it is to actually take a step back and do what's best for you. Did you did you form a lot of friends over there who you still communicate with? It seems like having that support of people who have gone through the exact situation you have would help you overcome that kind of post-Olympic down. Is that something you've done? Um, I reached out to a couple of my friends, um, people that have been there and... Uh, to just see how they were doing, just like checking in. But I don't think we really talked about it. We never really, you know, we're just like checking in. Are you doing okay? And the answer is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be a tough uh, transition. But just like to keep telling them like, I'm, I'm here for you if you want anything. And I think that was kind of big. So where do you go from here? You know, what's, what's next for you in terms of the world of diving? Are you, are you looking forward to the next Olympics, 2024? <laughs> I want to do it again. Um, I think the closest one is Worlds um, in the beginning of next year. And then we have Europeans in the end of next year. Um, so, yeah, just keep keep on trucking. <laughs> is, is, uh, are, the, are the 2024 Olympics uh, in sight? Is that something that you even think about this early? Or is that something that, you don't even think about until it's months ahead of time. Um, uh, obviously, like I've thought about it, um, but I try to keep a distance of the whole Olympic thing. I think I haven't really um, gone through everything that happened this Olympics, and until I can let that go, I can focus on the next one. Um, so right now, I'm just trying to focus on the next competition. We have uh, U.S. Nationals coming up uh, in a couple of weeks just try to get that one and then the next competition after that and just keep on competing. Yeah. So it's just like you're saying, basically one dive at a time, one competition at a time, and you don't, you don't look too far ahead. Um, you know, Emma, I mean, obviously you're, you are a role model for any young athlete who's trying to achieve excellence. What advice would you give people who aspire to be like you? Um, I think just keep on training and never give up because you never, you don't know what life is going to throw at you. Um, just keep on hoping and keep on having the dream back in your head where you want to go. And the dream can change. Like you don't have to have the same dream. Um, just keep on doing the best you can because that's, that's the only thing you can do. Emma, listen, it is awesome to talk to you. Um, your focus and your discipline and your perseverance are truly inspiring. Congrats um, on the Olympics. Look forward to all your future accomplishments. And we are so proud to have you here at the University of Miami. We'll just throw up a little you, okay? All right. Awesome, Emma. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Congrats again. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks.
Take care. Have a great weekend. Bye.